Now, in this session, we're going to do uh, what remains of Eve. Ultimately, what is sin? So often, you know, we seek to call sin everything except sin. And before I forget, the notes are in the front. So they're in your packet, but I think it's reversed. It's in the front. I kind of switched the sessions around. So look in the front. Everybody have it? All right. So often we seek to call sin everything except sin. You know, we give it cute little pet names. We say, oh, I'm having an affair. Right? Oh, it was just a little white lie. Nothing's wrong with a little white lie. Or I just made a mistake. I didn't really sin. I just made a mistake. We also tend to make excuses for our sin. Have you heard this? Oh, it's my weakness. I'm just so weak, poor little me. Or, you know, you go all the way back to Flip Wilson and we say, what, the devil made me do it. Right? Oh, we give so much credit to the devil. And we don't stop to acknowledge our own flesh, our own heart motivations, our own attitude. Oh, here's a good one, right? We say, oh, but you know I'm just a work in progress. God's still working on me. Or, you know, here's my favorite. Oh, God knows my heart. Yes, and I tell them quickly, yes, God knows your heart. He knows that it's wicked and deceitful. He knows your heart. You know, we need to define sin so we're not playing around with it so that we're not trying to cutify it and make it something other than what God has said. I want to look at a couple of great theologians, uh, Grudem being one. Look at their definitions of sin. Grudem defines sin as any, any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or nature. Any failure. Philip says this. He defines it as any failure to conform to God's purpose for us, namely failure to intentionally and faithfully love and glorify God in all that we are, think, feel, or do. Intentionally, willfully, in acts, thoughts, words, and deeds. So ultimately, what is sin? Sin is an abomination to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is an abomination. Now, you've heard that word before. Now, listen, I'm going to take you on a little ride, all right? So hold on, okay? Abomination. We're quick to use that as Christians who are saved, sanctified, and what? Filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on with it now. We're quick to use the word abomination when we're talking to people who are in a homosexual lifestyle. Right? We're real quick to whip that. You you know God said it's an abomination. Right? Here's the problem, though. There are many things that are an abomination to God. Lying, feet that run swiftly to do evil, separation of friends. There are many things. Sin is an abomination to God. So the next time that you throw that out there, remember, E2. I'm not saying that one sin is acceptable and another one is not. What I'm saying is that all of them go to the foot of the cross. Sin is an abomination 
to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So now what exactly does the Bible say about sin? Let's go on over. Our text for uh, this last session is going to be 2 Timothy 2, 22. Would you read it with me? I have it up here, and it says, Now... your youthful lust. Let's look at some context for 2 Timothy 2.22. You see, the author here is encouraging the readers to flee their youthful lust. All of us have differing lusts and our temptations. Every last one of us have a lust or temptation. Some of us have strongholds that we're dealing with. Now, my thing may not be your thing, but I guarantee you, guarantee you, that they are equally as sinful before the Lord God. So mine may be chocolate-covered strawberries or strawberry shortcake or whatever the case may be, right? Yours may be something else, but each and every one of us has a lust and a temptation, but they're all differing. He's saying flee your youthful lust. We are to flee, turn from those, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You are to put on and to put off. So you are to put off all these deeds of the flesh, these unrighteous ways of behaving, thinking, and acting. Put on righteousness, faith, and love. You see, Christians should seek to stay away from all things that are sinful. All things, as we would say in the movie Forrest Gump, run, Forrest, run. You see, you are not to take it into your bosom and say, oh, I got this. (laughs) Oh, I can handle that tall drink of water right there. No, ma'am, run. (laughs) Flee your youthful lust. You are to establish the necessary guardrails and guidelines. Yes, I said guardrails and guidelines. You need to determine for yourself what do you need to do. And for some of us, it is radical amputation. You need to block, delete, unfollow, defriend, do whatever it is you need to do to flee your youthful lust. Establish accountability measures. Understand this, that sin grows in the dark. The longer you choose to think that you're hiding because you're not hiding from God, the longer we tend to keep that thing and pet that thing. You don't know. Come on. You know your pet sin, the thing that you like a lot. You just love on it and nurse it and, and don't want nobody to bother you about it. They come asking you about it. You get all defensive. What? You got problems too. Right? Don't be acting like you all holier than thou. And all she said was, how you doing, sister? That's all she said. But see, your guilt, the the wicked flee when no one's chasing. You so guilty, all they did was speak to you, and you got an attitude. You need to set up guardrails and guidelines, establish accountability measures. You need to go to someone and tell them, listen, today needs to be the day when you say, I choose to do this no longer. Today needs to be the day when you let somebody in and you say, you know, I need to share with somebody. Now, I need to be the right somebody. Hold on. You know, gossip still exists amongst us. 
So you need to go to your pastor's wife or your leader's wife or your pastor or someone, and you need to share with them. Establish accountability measures. Ultimately, we are to what? Avoid evil and pursue good. But what if I don't consider what I'm doing as evil or sinful? You know us. We are intelligent people. Well, it's not really wrong, see. It may be wrong to you because, you know, your conscience is way up high. You know, it's not a conscience issue for me. I'm good. I know I'm married, but I can have male friends and go to lunch and go to dinner and go, 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 go. And you, listen, you're the weaker brethren. You're the one that can't handle all that. I got this. All right, ma'am. We'll see you down at the altar. So what if I don't consider what I'm doing as evil or sinful? Let's explore Genesis chapter 3 for a moment, where we want to talk a little bit about what remains of Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, here's what we find. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now she added that part. (laughs) Then the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's our rub right here. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Now here's where we love to park, ladies. We love to park right here and say, well, he was standing right here. Why didn't he say something? He's just as guilty as her. He probably influenced her. Own your own stuff, ma'am. We all worried about him and what he did. How about her? She had the news and decided to do something different with the news, right? You know, too often we want to blame shift. We'll see that they, they did a whole bunch of blame. It's that woman you gave me. Oh, it was the serpent. It was this. We do that as well. Oh, well, you know that church. I heard some good stuff being taught about the local church. Oh, well, you know them people at the church. That's why I don't deal with church people. And usually it's church people saying that. This lady told me this one time. She said, oh, you know, I don't fool with women. I, I don't deal with women at all. And I said, oh, that's so interesting. Have you looked in the mirror lately? Use a woman. (laughs) What? Right? We're so busy worrying and trying to blame others, we don't take responsibility for what we've done. So be careful, ladies. That's an Eve syndrome. Be careful. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves lawn coverings. What do we learn from this? What are the results of Eve's sin? The author, Charles Ryrie, he says this. The human race experienced broken fellowship with God or spiritual death, physical death, and exclusion from the benefits of Eden. 
Adam and Eve's sin changed the course of history and the lives of all their descendants. You see, as a result of their sin, all of us, all of us were impacted. I want to ask you, as a result of your sin, who's impacted? How is your family suffering? How's your church suffering? How are your friends, your children, how are they suffering as a result of your sin? Sin versus righteousness. You see, we no longer talk about sin in a sense of hating it as God hates it and seeking to flee from it as stated in the Bible. We don't call things sin anymore, y'all, because that, that, that's, um, that's not politically correct. Right? We don't say to someone, ma'am, what you're doing is wrong. It's sinful. We will say, well, you know, you might want to think about that. Or, you know, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't do that. No. Say what God says about the matter. Call it what it is. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't try to cutify it. Don't do all this other stuff. My new word, cutify. Don't try to cutify it. You know what I'm saying? Because then what you're doing is you're not looking at it the way God looks at it. We're trying to minimize its impact, and you cannot minimize the impact of sin. You cannot. So our challenge for today as we leave this wonderful conference is to make this a priority. You want to be spiritually healthy? Call sin, sin. Don't play with it. Don't pet it. Don't befriend it. Don't think that you can escape it. Call it what it is and then flee your youthful lust. Ultimately, sin is wrong and it ought not to be approved of. Amen? Amen? It's not a mistake. And a mistake is not a synonym for sin. They don't mean the same thing. Stop going to your friends and your loved ones telling about, oh, you know, I just made a mistake. No, you sinned against them, and you need to confess and repent. You need to go to them and say exactly what you've done. You know what? Please forgive me because I spoke to you in an unloving, unwholesome manner. You know, don't, don't try to clean it up. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I might have said some things, you know, because you said some things. And so then I said, I did some things. No, ma'am. No. You sinned. Confess and repent. Mistake is not the same as sin. Mistakes are unintentional failures. Sin most oftentimes is willful and rebellious. And you say, well, no, it's not. I didn't mean to do it. I just slipped and fell into bed with him. No, I'm sorry. You planned that. Yeah, you thought about it. And you know how many sins, let me just say this, because see, somebody out here might be playing around with this. Do you know how many sins you've committed before you actually commit adultery? You were deceptive. You lied. You schemed. Long before you ever laid down with him. I'm just saying, I don't know who needs it. Pick it up, take it with you. I don't know. Mistakes are unintentional failures. Sin is most often willful and rebellious. You knew it was wrong, but you did it anyway. You knew it was wrong to lie on your taxes, but guess what? There you are. You knew it was wrong to go and buy ABC because you didn't have the money for ABC. You still owe C and D and E and F. You knew it was wrong. You knew you was lying when you said you would be there in five minutes and you were all the way down there in Hollywood. You knew. You knew. Integrity, integrity. Be a woman of integrity. Listen, ultimately, 
Sin is irrational. You know how we're sitting around rationalizing sin? Sin is irrational. It really doesn't make good sense. And it will not bring about the desired results that you think. Listen, Eve got kicked out of the garden. Can you imagine that conversation the next day between her and Adam? Well, boo. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. And he's like, yeah, girl, I don't know what you was thinking either. Now they've got these flaming cherubs in front of their house that won't let them back in. And he's talking about what's for dinner. And she looking at him like, what dinner? I ain't got a kitchen. See, sin is irrational. It does not make any sense. You think it's making sense to you when you're working it through, but it does not make any sense. Listen, I want you to write this down. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will take you further than you want to go, and it will keep you longer than you want to stay. Now, somebody ought to testify. Sin will take you further than you want to go, and it will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it never yields the, the thing you thought it would yield. And then, and then on top of it, now you got to go and confess and repent. Have you ever found yourself in that moment when you done told somebody off real good? No, I don't mean kind of good. I mean real good. Like you got hurt. You've been wanting to get hurt. And, and you know, it's been 10 years. And finally, you're like, Papa, I can stand all I can stand. I can't stand no more, right? And then the Holy Spirit says, on the doorway of your heart, ma'am, you got to go repent. You must go back to her and confess and repent for the way that you handled her. And now you're like, dang. I already don't like her. Listen, think about what you've lost as a result of your sins. Can somebody testify? You've lost some stuff. If nothing else, you've lost this close relationship with the Lord. You know, Adam and Eve had this conversational relationship with the Lord. You know, and the Lord is saying to them, hey, Adam, where are you? It ain't like he didn't know. He knew. Is the Lord asking you, hey, sister, where are you? What you doing? What's going on? What's in your heart? He already knows. He knows what's going on. What have you lost as a result? Is it your relationship with the Lord that's slipping, 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 slipping? Is it your relationship with your church members slipping, slipping, slipping? What about your family, your husband slipping, slipping, your children? Because guess what? They are watching you. And you cannot go back to where we've come from, where the older generation said, do as I say and not as I do. We didn't even follow that. We did exactly what they did. Do you not think that your children will do the same? You are an influencer. All have sinned. Here's what we need to remember. There's not a one of us who have not sinned in some way. There's not a one of us that hasn't lied, cheated, or taken something, even a little something, that wasn't ours to take. Many of us spend our lives feeling terrible about this, feeling all this guilt, all this shame, bearing all of this. I got news for you. God has an answer for this guilt. 
You don't need a psychologist. You need Jesus. You don't need another pill. You need to confess and repent is what you need to set yourself free. You see, he has an answer. Christ died for our sins. If you don't know it, if you ain't heard it 900 times today, I'm telling you again, Christ died for your sins. Repentance unto salvation or repentance unto sanctification is available for you. You don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to stay in what you're in. You may be making this really big mess. You may have dug this really deep hole and you're not sure how to get out of it. I'm telling you, this is your first step. This is your first step. Repentance unto salvation or repentance unto sanctification. It's available. You see in the Bible, we see in Isaiah 1 verse 18, it says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Come on, somebody ought to understand and be grateful that the Lord God covers you. He says, all you have to do is confess and repent, and I will be what? Faithful and just to do what? You don't have to carry that out of here with you. Girl, leave that here. You don't have to take that home and continue in this life. John 3, 16 says this, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? You see, Christ died for sinners who were in need of Savior. Were you in need of a Savior? Are you in need of a Savior today? All you have to do is put your faith and confidence in Christ Jesus. You don't have to stay where you are. You see, those who accept the sacrificial act of Christ on their behalf and are redeemed are required, I said required, to seek to live a life that is holy and upright before their new Savior. You see, you can shout all high, you can bless the Lord, you can roll around and start and snot all over the floor and do all that good stuff, but I guarantee you, when you get up, you're still required to live a holy lifestyle. I'm not opposed to shouting, hey, I'll go with you, I will dance with you, we can do all of that. But when the music stops, you must live a holy and righteous life. Because of John 3.16, it's no longer acceptable to act like a pagan. You see, many of us are running around here acting like unbelievers. And we would get highly offended if somebody tell you, you are an unregenerate. (laughs) No, I ain't. Jesus died for me, baby. You don't know? But you're acting just like the pagans. See, we're in this world, but not of this world. My sister, I'm trying to encourage you today. Don't be of this world. Just be in this world. Let your feet dangle a little bit because you're really seated in heavenly places. Amen? Sin broke the bond of unity between man and God and between man and his fellow man. Sin will break all your relationships. You mad because somebody not speaking to you right now. Come on, I know somebody mad right now. It happened this morning for some of us. You're mad because someone's not speaking to you. What you must ask yourself is, is it because you sinned? Is it because you refuse to pursue peace? You know, we need to pursue peace like a dog on a bone. You need to, the Bible says, as much as it depends on who? As much as it depends on me, be at peace with all men. That means that I must humble myself. 
and go try to make the relationship right. See, some of us are so prideful, so angry, so upset, so bruised. We don't want to try to go reconcile. Christians are in the business of reconciliation because we have been reconciled to him. How is it that we refuse to give what we've been given? I heard somebody earlier talking about forgiveness. How are we not going to do that? Go and think back to your past. I know, go all the way back. I go back further than that. <laughs> but yet you're looking at somebody who did something to you, and, 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 and I agree with the speaker who said, we're not downplaying what happened to you. But it's your present-day thought about your reality from the past. If you don't bring Christ into that conversation, you will not forgive. Those who are not redeemed do not have the power of the Holy Spirit to restrain them from their depraved state of being, and thus they commit some very heinous crimes. You see, you're trying to get unbelievers to do what only believers can do. They don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. They don't have the power to act right. They don't have the power to speak right. They don't have the power to treat you right. So why do you keep being in business with them, setting up partnership, marrying them, that's your best friend, and then you get mad when you get bit? They don't have the power to treat you right. But you have the power. You have been redeemed. You have been bought with a price. You see, we are also depraved, but we're just not utterly depraved. Come on, let that sit in. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You depraved. Uh-huh. So am I. But for the constraining power of the Holy Spirit, there are many things that each and every one of us will do. So don't get too upset about that woman who committed adultery or this one that stole all the money out of Wells Fargo or whatever, 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 or this one that took that one's man. Don't be too upset with her because guess what? A boo-boo. That would have been us. But for the constraining power of the Holy Spirit. See, we're depraved. We're just not utterly depraved because God is keeping us. The Holy Spirit is convicting us. He's walking with us. He's keeping us day by day. You can't tell me there hadn't been a moment you wanted to slap somebody. And you did not reach out and give her the right hand of fellowship. All because, and it wasn't because of you. It was all because of the constraining power of the Holy Spirit that said, uh-uh, don't do that. Girl, that's assault. Orange don't look too good on you. Don't do that. <laughs> Orange is not your new black. Now listen, we must remember this. If you take nothing else from what I said, I hope you take this. Sin is an offense to a holy God. Sin is an offense to an holy God. <clears throat> Sin produces a very bad taste in the mouth of the world. When Christians behave just as they do but say that they have a right relationship with Jesus Christ, which empowers them to be different, what does the world think? You see, you keep trying to witness to your unbelieving friends, your unbelieving co-workers, but they see you, the real you, all day, every day. You didn't get that promotion that you thought you should have got. So you walking around turning over tables, moving folks' furniture. And then you want to talk about a whole glory. They're watching us. 
and we are to be watched because we're supposed to be the salt and the light. So don't get mad because they caught you. You were supposed to be caught, but you were supposed to be caught doing the right thing. Right? Don't be upset because they come and call you Christian. (laughs) The reason they step to you like that is why? Because you're not acting so Christ-likely. You see, the world wants proof. They want proof of what we believe. Half of the time they're saying, if it's not working for you, then why do I need it? Oh, you spent all your time on Sunday and you worry me about fishing and golfing on Sunday morning, but then on, on Sunday night you're doing what I do. The world wants proof. We're going to conclude with Romans 3 and 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have hearts that are unsatisfied with what God is offering. Y'all know that, right? We're unsatisfied. We're unsatisfied. You see, listen, the married people want to be single, and the single people want to be married. The folks with the kids don't want the kids, and those without the kids want kids. You see, our hearts are unsatisfied with what God is offering because we want what we want when we want it. And we feel the right to tell God, demand of God, to give it to us when we want it. And if you don't, God, I'm going to get it for myself. Now, we're not crazy enough to say that to God, but our actions say this. We must acknowledge our wicked and defiled heart and our corrupted flesh. We must confess And truly repent. Now listen, I know you know what confession is. What is confession? It's agreeing with God. I heard it. It's agreeing with God that what you're doing, thinking, believing, behaving, responding, the way you're doing these things is wrong. I agree with you, God. And then you go off and you go into repentance. And what is repentance? But get this. It is not a 360. And that is what many of us do. See, we get in that moment where that attitude, you know that attitude, that, you know that attitude comes upon you. And the Holy Spirit knocks on the heart and convicts us. And you go, all right. And then you start thinking about it. And yeah, but then he said, and then I thought about it. And then you know what, God? No. <laughs> See, no, they need to be told today. Today. Not today. Today. It's not a 360. I mean, it's, it's a 180. It's a complete running away from it. It's a change of heart. It's a change of direction. It's a change of belief system. You can no longer accept what you previously thought about the matter. You've got to accept what God says about the matter. Now, I want to close here. Here's the other side of this coin. Have we been saved so long that we no longer extend grace and mercy to others because we've forgotten the grace that we receive through salvation? You see, a lot of times we've been saved so long we've forgotten who we really were. So you see the young teenage girl that comes into the church and she's pregnant without a spouse. And we're quick to do what? Mm, 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 mm. And then, you know, Sister Felix says, well, I, I need you to go and minister to her. Ah, she know better. 
I'm going to need you to run her over to Target and get her some clothes. Uh-uh. I ain't spending my money on her and her sin. Yeah, okay, you might not say it to Sister Felix, but I bet you're thinking it. We forgot. Maybe that wasn't our sin. Remember in the beginning I said we all have various lusts and temptations? Maybe that wasn't your thing. Maybe sex wasn't your thing, sex outside of marriage. Okay, maybe that wasn't your thing. I don't know. It was mine. Maybe that wasn't your thing. Maybe your thing is something else. But I'm just saying, have you been saved so long that you can't extend that grace? What about the person that sins against you? Listen, I can guarantee you this. You're going to sin against somebody, and somebody's going to sin against you. And what are you going to do about it? Will you extend the same grace that was given to you? Now, I want to take a moment, and I'm going to back up to the last slide. Because this is really all that I have to say. But I want to take a moment and give an opportunity, because I know that I want to be spiritually healthy. Anybody else? So I have to get honest with me. Because, you see, I'm the only one that's going to stand before God. You see, I have to answer to God for the deeds done in my flesh. I hate to break it to you, but so do you. So if I'm not honest with God, because remember, he already knows. He already knows what you're dealing with. He already knows what you're struggling with. He already knows what you're running from and into. So if you're like me, maybe you want to take this moment and confess and repent to God. Maybe if you're like me, you don't want to leave out of here with this. Maybe, you know what, you've been doing it for a long time and you're kind of over it, but you don't know your way out. Confession and repentance is the first step. Now, I wanna get, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. I'm going to give you an opportunity to confess and repent privately. But for those of us who think we've arrived and we ain't got nothing to confess and repent, I'm going to ask you to let this not be your business. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head and let this just be the business of this lady and God. Now, if you know, even in the overflow, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. Now, if you know that you know that you know that you know there's something you need to confess, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. Can you just slip up your hand right now? And we're going to pray for you. You need prayer because you know there's something you're dealing with. I see you. I see you. I see you. You can put your hands down. You know there's something you're dealing with. You've been carrying something for a long time. You want to leave it here today. Just slip up your hand. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray for you. You can put your hands down. I'm actually going to ask Sister Felix to come and pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to take it seriously. And leave it here. God hears you. Lord, you know our hearts. You know we can't hide from you. You know the things, Father, that we may be harboring that we just don't want to let go of. And this might be the moment for some ladies who have recognized 
that they need to do some business with you on this. And so, Father, on behalf of the, the ladies um, that feel this way, I just pray, Father, that um, you will allow them to just release this and whatever this is, if it's a besetting temptation or whatever it is, that they will depend on you. You've said that you would never leave us or forsake us. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us all the tools that we need. And so I just pray, Father, that within uh, the power that you have granted to us as believers, that you will just take this burden from these ladies and that they would then even see who they can reach out to be accountable to and that they might be able to work through some of these situations and some of the pain that's lingering on. So we just thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. We thank you that the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. And we just pray, Father, that we'll put these things at the foot of the cross. We thank you for Dr. Ellen, for her message today. We thank you for all the speakers, for all that they have shared, for their hours of preparation, for the way that they've poured into our hearts. And we just pray that it won't go for naught, Father. We pray that we will look back over our notes, that we'll go on the website and listen again to, um, to, the, uh, to the deliveries of the ladies, and that we'll just be challenged once again. We thank you for LABTS. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to systematically study your word. Thank you for all the professors, and we just thank you for this special, wonderful day. And we pray, Father, that um, our dependence will be completely and fully on you. And as believers, we want to live like believers. So we thank you for the privilege that we have. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.